he is acting like a moron, and, and he needs to stop it. <laughs> Who are you talking about there, Senator? Take your pick. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. I got the feeling that something ain't right. No, it ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yep. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the Bradcast, as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA, up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ and in Cottage Grove on Queso, in Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU, Columbus, Ohio's WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP, WPRR in Grand Rapids, Michigan, in New Orleans on WHIV, Gallup, New Mexico's KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ, Seattle, Washington's KODX, Red Bluff and Redding, California's KFOI, Round Mountain, California's KKRN, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM950, KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast coast and around the globe every day on the internets, on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR, Revolution 99, Workforce Rising, and Detour Talk. Blanketing planet Earth five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, all-around swell fellow. Says me too. Oh, thank you. From Bradblog.com, thank you very much for joining us today, both myself and the delightful Ms. Desiree Doyen, how are you, Des? I'm doing all right. I am here. That's my low bar for yeah, presentation. Yeah, it's uh, every day for you now. <laughs> all, as long as you show up, I guess we should. I am that's thankful. A that's for sure. <laughs> um, we, you'll be uh, showing up a little bit later with our latest green news report, uh, where we have. I mean, it's just crazy to say, but uh, yet another ethics scandal. Series of them for EPA Administrator Scott Pruitt. So many, in fact that A, we couldn't get them all into today's Green News report, and <laughs> right. then B, and C and D, a few more broke after right. our uh, Green News report. I mean, so, you just get something posted, and then seconds later, something new happens. He it's, is, uh, it's, uh, it's new deaths and weird ones, too. I will try to leave some extra time uh, for our Green News report today so we can follow up with uh, some of the stuff we couldn't fit in on on Scott Pruitt. All right, anyway, it was such also such a big primary day on Tuesday this past week in eight different states, Alabama, Iowa, Mississippi, Montana, New Jersey, New Mexico, South Dakota, and of course out here in California that we are still trying to uh, follow all of the results and a number of related issues and problems. Uh, a lot of folks think that, you know, as soon as you cast your vote, you're done. Uh, not so. <laughs> not so. I know it's hard enough getting people to vote at all. Much less to say, hey, you're not done after voting. Now you got to make sure that the uh, votes are actually counted, counted accurately in a way we can know they were counted accurately. Uh, this is when we, the people, need to be overseeing the tallies. 
at least as much as possible, not easy with our nation's computerized voting and tabulation systems. But uh, this is what we need to keep an eye on what's going on as the processes, uh, the counting processes and so forth move forward. In California, for example, where Democrats hope to pick up as many as seven U.S. House seats from Republicans this November, results will not be certified here for some 30 days. Now, I hear many complain about that, as if California is slow in its counting. Well, on that, I'm going to have to side with Gail Pellerin. She's the Santa Cruz County clerk and registrar of voters up there. She's one of the better election officials in the state. She tweeted out an article on Wednesday by the Sacramento Bee headlined, Why California Takes So Long to Count Ballots. She tweeted out a link uh, to that story along with the comment saying, I prefer why California goes the extra mile to make sure voters are enfranchised and ballots are counted accurately. That might have made uh, a bit too long of a headline. It's not nearly as sexy as uh, why California takes so long. But uh, it's a she says it's a good explanation of one of our tasks. The law gives us 30 days. I hope you give us patience. Well, I will. As the uh, former uh, California Secretary of State Deborah Bowen once told us on air, we'd rather get it right than get it fast. Thank you, Ms. Bowen. I concur. That is especially true today here in Los Angeles County. After the names of more than 118,000 voters were left off the polling place rosters on Tuesday in a massive error, uh, due to what the registrar out here, Dean Logan, in L.A. County, describes as a, quote, printing error, even as it remains unclear what exactly that error was for now that caused 118,000 registered voters to not show up on the rolls at all when they went to vote on Tuesday. A Twitter user out here in L.A., somebody named Henry Winkler, tweeted on Tuesday, quote, my name was left off the polling registry today in Los Angeles. Hey! Yes, that's right. Fonzie. <laughs> the real, actual The Fonzie. actual Fonz <laughs> was left off the voter rolls in L.A. on Tuesday for some reason, or at least left off the printed version of the voting rolls. Now, I, I don't suspect... Uh, or smell, I guess is a better word. I, I, I'm always skeptical, but I don't smell anything necessarily nefarious here. Uh, but at a minimum, this was an egregious screw up at a minimum. And, and, and I can only imagine the chaos that would have happened if something like this had occurred this November, out here in L.A. County, the nation's largest voting jurisdiction, with something like 10 million voters, including Fonzie as one of them. Now, uh, Dean Logan, the uh, L.A. County registrar, announced on Tuesday that uh, poll workers were notified. And as soon as the problem came to light on Tuesday morning, the, uh, poll workers were notified to give provisional ballots to any voters who didn't appear on the printed rosters and he tweeted out as much throughout the day uh, but the lawyers committee for civil rights who runs the 866 our vote election protection uh, hotline on election day say that they received information that many voters were not given provisional ballots as they should have been so it was and is a mess 
on Wednesday night. Just after we got off air, California Secretary of State Alex Padilla, a Democrat who was on the ballot on Tuesday in the primary himself. Uh, He came in first, by the way, in the state's dumb top two primary scheme. Uh, He's a close ally of Dean Logan, the uh, registrar down here in Los Angeles. And um, uh, Padilla helped to pass laws that will allow Dean Logan to install entirely new 100 percent unverifiable touchscreen voting systems before the 2020 presidential election out here. So what could possibly go wrong there? Um, Especially he, after such a great performance yesterday. Yeah, and uh, and this system is being built f- from the ground up from scratch. In any event, uh, we'll hold that for another time. But uh, Padilla, the Secretary of State, issued a press release Wednesday night, including a strongly worded letter to Mr. Logan. He said, uh, Dear Mr. Logan, during yesterday's statewide direct primary, you publicly announced that 1,000 118 522 Los Angeles County voters names were omitted from the rosters at more than 1000 precincts in Los Angeles. Based on your statements, I understand that this was the result of a, quote, print job that created the printing, uh, the printed rosters for L.A. County polling places and that the issue was unknown to you and your office prior to the election. As you know, each registrar of voters, county clerk in California, is responsible for conducting elections in their respective county. While I applaud your efforts yesterday both to remind poll workers and voters of the provisional ballot option, as California's chief elections officer, I am gravely concerned by this incident and will take steps to ensure that it does not happen again. In the meantime, he says, it is imperative that we provide L.A. County voters and the general public assurances that provisional ballots cast by impacted voters will be expeditiously processed and added to the election results. He goes on to uh, thereby request that you, one, immediately determine how many of those 118,000 voters voted provisionally, locate their provisional ballots, and process those ballots no later than the close of business on June 15, 2018. So that gives him, what, uh, a little over over a week. week. Yeah. yeah. Uh, two, no later than the close of business on June 15, notify in writing each of the impacted voters that they are, in fact, registered to vote in California. In addition, for all of the impacted voters who voted provisionally, inform them of whether their provisional ballot was counted and if not, why not? Frankly, that's a uh, practice that should be done anyway. It, it, that's me talking, not the okay. Secretary of State there. Uh, I you know, don't know why uh, it's not easier for folks to find out if their provisional ballot was accepted. I understand that a, a site has uh, a link has now been set up on the L.A. County website for that. I'm not sure if that's a statewide matter or not, but it should be. Padilla goes on to write, if any of those provisional ballots have a correctable issue, I ask that you inform the voter and offer guidance on how to correct the issue in a time frame that will allow the provisional ballot to be counted. That's another good idea that should happen in every election. For example, if a provisional ballot is rejected because the non-handwriting experts uh, at the county office who examine signatures to determine whether a signature matches the one on file or not, 
if it doesn't match, the voters should be told so they can come in and correct it. We've got 30 days to count the, the, the ballots out here in Los Angeles. Why not contact voters and say, hey, we're going to throw out your vote unless you're able to come in and uh, cure this problem? That's another reason, by the way, that provisional ballots can be very dangerous, that uh, they should be avoided unless that's the only way to cast a ballot. And, by the way, it's also why I do not recommend using vote-by-mail or absentee ballots unless you must vote-by-mail because uh, you can't show up at the polls that day for any reason. And this is true wherever you may live, by the way. This is not just uh, California. It's a concern about vote-by-mail. Your, your ballots can be easily tossed based on your signature as read by people who are Really not professional uh, handwriting experts. Yeah, and you may never know. They may never tell you that, hey, you know, this guy here, he thinks your signature doesn't match what you signed on your registration card when you registered 25 years ago because maybe your signature changed over all those years, I know. which happens. Yeah, and you had mentioned that. You were concerned about signing uh, your own ballot. Because not... I know my signature has <laughs> yeah. changed. It's gotten a lot messier. So that's a concern. Uh, there are some uh, locations that actually do notify uh, voters when that's a problem. That's good. But most places do not. Three, Padilla says, no later than June 19, provide to my office a comprehensive summary, including which precincts were affected, how many were vote by mail voters, how many were polling place voters, how many voted provisionally of those, how many were not counted and why they were not counted, etc. Then he asks uh, no later than June 22nd to provide a detailed report as to the root cause of this error and steps that will be taken to ensure it doesn't happen again. He also urges that uh, L.A. County Clerk Logan uh, utilizes an independent third party expert with the uh, relevant election experience and expertise to make determinations and recommendations about what happened here. So the secretary of state is at least... I, I want to say pretending to take some action, but taking some action there. We'll see what actually happens. Election integrity folks, meanwhile, here in Los Angeles, are very concerned about all of this. Naturally, they are hoping that all of these extra provisional ballots that were cast on Tuesday will now be included in L.A. County's 1% post-election spot check or so-called audit Thanks to a law that was passed last year that was supported by both Secretary of State Padilla and uh, Dean Logan, as I recall, uh, provisionals, provisional ballots and late vote by mail ballots can be exempted entirely from the post-election spot check. Now, mind you, it's a pathetic 1% random audit, as they call it, that we do as it is. And what, what is it that can, for? It, well, it can be easily gamed as is, but what it is is uh, it's for, in theory, determining that the computers that counted the ballots counted them accurately. We count 1% of them or 1% of the precincts uh, by hand and compare it to the machine count. And if everything matches up, then we say, great, the election results are accurate, whether they are or aren't based on that 1%. And if they aren't accurate, well, there's nothing in law that says we have to do anything about it. And that happens all the time where they do these uh, post-election spot checks. They don't match up with the reported results. And they say, oh, well, our hand count was wrong and they certify the election anyway. I mean, this is why 
post-election audits are often entirely meaningless. This is why, once again, I say we've got to get it right on election night. And the only way I have been found, I have found uh, to be able to do that, is hand-counting hand-marked paper ballots at the polling place before they move anywhere on election night. In any event, the law was changed last last year to exempt provisionals and late vote-by-mail ballots from even being needing to be included at all in this uh, supposed random 1% count. Uh, and when I say late vote-by-mail, we changed the law as well last year uh, or two years ago, I can't recall now, out here in California to allow ballots to be sent as late as Election Day itself, if they're postmarked by Election Day, they can trickle in three, four, five days after the election and still be counted, but they won't be included in that uh, that spot check, that post-election spot check. Yeah. So that's a nice path for criminals who are hoping to steal elections, by the way, uh, just do it via those late ballots. Uh, as we warned at the time, uh, the bill was being considered uh, about exempting the, that part, those uh, it's a huge number of ballots, by the way, that are both uh, late vote by mail and now provisional in places like L.A. So we warned against that. In any event, I heard from one of the election, uh, one of the local election integrity champions, Judy Alter of Protect California Ballots, uh, who said that uh, she went out to Norwalk. That's the county headquarters on Wednesday to pull the randomly, supposedly randomly selected precincts for the post-election audit. Uh, this was on Wednesday morning, and Dean Logan uh, told her that he would be postponing that audit for a week in order to include the provisional ballots that they had to use for those 118,000 voters who weren't on the books. So uh, she says some little pinch of accepting responsibility for their grave printing error. Now, I tried to confirm Judy's comments uh, with Dean Logan because uh, that would be good news, in fact, if true. And uh, I have no reason to not believe Judy, but I do like to confirm these things. I've yet to hear back from Logan. He usually gets back to me quite quickly, but he has not done so in the past 24 hours or so. I guess he's busier than usual <laughs> these days for some reason or another. Uh, that was not we'll keep our eyes on that. But that was not the only problem for voters in Los Angeles on Tuesday. Another problem cropped up that I myself have experienced directly as longtime broadcast uh, listeners and bradblog.com readers may recall. It happened to me in several different elections out here in L.A. According to the L.A. Times, Miso Kwok's attempts to vote in Tuesday's primary election turned into a complicated morass as L.A. County voting machines designed to help blind voters repeatedly failed to work at one polling station after another. Thwarting Quack and her uh, and, and well-intentioned poll workers alike. She is uh, 23 years old. She said uh, she is nearly totally blind and cannot read print. She has previously successfully used the county's audio ballot booth technology in which voters can listen to the ballot text on headphones and cast votes using uh, arrow buttons. But at her, uh, her first polling location on Tuesday at the Maple Hill Elementary School, the, that uh, voting booth failed to work, Quack said. A poll worker then offered to drive her to another polling place, the Chaparral Middle School, where the ballot booth technology 
also failed, she said. The poll worker then drove her to a third location at a church where the technology also apparently failed. Wow. Right? Yeah. Sound familiar? Uh, This happened to me uh, years ago in uh, 2008 in the primary. I, though I'm I'm not blind, but I wanted to test out these... um, these systems, these accessibility, accessible voting systems that are made for, uh, you know, the use of uh, people who need to use them for any reason, blind people and so forth, so they can vote independently with these systems. Anyone can use them. And uh, I try to vote a different way each time to, you know, sort of test out various elements of the system. When I used it, the uh, uh, system, it actually misprinted for out of 12 of my votes on that ballot. Now, I'm not blind, so I was able to read the printout and notice that four out of 12 of my uh, votes had been misprinted. But uh, this blind voter here who went to three different locations where the machines failed in every single one of them to even work, she would never know that it was misprinted. Uh, And by the way, uh, after that happened, Dean Logan quarantined that machine. He tested it and, in fact, was able to confirm it was not my fault. (laughs) In fact, the machine uh, failed. The uh, poll workers had apparently punched in the wrong numbers or something like that. And then when I tried to do it in the next election, tried to use the machines again, two different machines at the same polling locations, same polling location was not able to work at all. So we spend millions and millions of dollars on these disabled uh, voting systems, uh, these voting systems for disabled, disabled voters, and then they don't work. And not only do we spend millions and millions, hundreds of millions of dollars on these systems, but we also, in many locations, force everyone to use them. Go down to Georgia, where they use 100% unverifiable touchscreen voting systems across the entire state. And say that I, you know, I like to vote on a hand-marked paper ballot. Uh, they will say, no, no, we're, we use touchscreen voting systems here. Well, how? Because of the disabled uh, requirement for uh, the, the Help America Vote Act uh, requirement to make sure disabled voters or blind voters can vote independently. Um, so that's why we use those machines. And they have done this for years. And I've said, well, why do why does everyone have to use them? Well, because it should be equal. Everyone should vote the same. Well, you know what? They, you know, you have to build a, a wheelchair ramp on a, on a public building, but they don't require everyone to use a wheelchair ramp. You can go up the stairs if you want. But when it comes to voting systems, they force everyone to use these machines that nobody can verify the accuracy of and that out here in Los Angeles fail to work. So after uh, this uh, young woman went to three different locations, luckily someone was able to drive her around. All three did not work, and then she had to leave for an appointment. And so uh, later she returned to the Maple Hill Elementary School, the first polling place, her, her original polling place. Several hours later, they had received a new assisted voting machine, and it didn't work either. Oh, no. So ultimately, the poll worker who had been driving her around trying to help her had to help her cast her ballot. Uh, And uh, Quack said that she was grateful for the help of poll workers and the county officials who tried to resolve the the technical technological problem, but that she uh, thought it was important to raise public awareness about the struggles faced 
by some voters who are blind. And that is true. And this is one of them. And they should be able to vote uh, independently. But everyone should, but they should have a systems that work and that can be verified. Uh, and B, they should have um, uh, everyone should not be forced to vote on these same terrible systems. So Dean Logan is also undoubtedly dealing with that issue right now. Been a nice week for him, I'm sure. Uh, but speaking of California elections, a couple of interesting results that we did not have time for yesterday that have not received a lot of attention uh, nationally or even here in the state. The uh, California judge who evoked national outrage after sentencing wealthy white Stanford University swimmer Brock Turner to just six months in jail after his conviction for this horrible sexual assault on an unconscious woman. That California judge was ousted from office on Tuesday night after a uh, what the Washington Post describes as a tempestuous recall campaign. Voters in Santa Clara County removed Superior Court Judge Aaron Persky by huge numbers, something like 60 to 40 in this recall, removed him from the uh, from the bench in uh, a victory for the campaign that had argued Persky's leniency of this uh, guy, Brock Turner, in the sexual assault case was an affront to the victim and all survivors. You may remember this story from, what was it, uh, six months, a year or so ago? There was a lot of outrage about it. And now the judge has been ousted for giving this guy such a lenient sentence. Uh, he had served, this judge had served on the court since 2003. His supporters argued that removing a duly elected judge over disagreement with a controversial but lawful sexual assault sentence would erode the democratic process, cause judges everywhere to impose lengthier sentences for fear of public backlash. I think that's a, a, a worthy point. Michelle Dauber, a Stanford University professor and chair of the recall campaign, told The Washington Post that uh, many, many voters voted against the culture of impunity for high-status perpetrators of sexual assault or domestic violence. She said it's a historic moment when women all across, uh, all, across all sectors of society are standing up to say enough is enough. Uh, this was, uh, you know, following it was June of 2016. That's when this happened, when Turner was sentenced to just six months in jail, three years probation. The judge here said he was following the advice of the probation department. But prosecutors had ar argued in this case for a six year prison sentence. But this uh, young elite white athlete at a prestigious university um, was apparently factored into Persky's decision to be lenient, at least according to the recall campaign. Um, and uh, prosecutors have said that even though this went against their recommendation for six year sentences uh, for a six year uh, sentence, some of them have come to the judge's uh, defense here. Because uh, they are worried that this will make it such that judges are, you know, concerned about what the public will think about the political ramifications of their decision of their sentencing, whether it's appropriate or not. Uh, in the uh, in a commentary in the Mercury News, the presiding judge on the court 
uh, and two former judges argued that these, this recall threatens judges' judicial independence. They said it certainly appears the goal is to teach judges, all judges, some lessons. If you want to keep your job as a judge, keep an eye on media reports of public sentiment when you're exercising your sworn duty to sentence a defendant in light of the laws and the facts, they wrote. So uh, he was the uh, first this was the first time a a California judge was recalled from the bench in 87 years, according to the San Francisco Chronicle. An interesting point. I'm not sure uh, which side of the issue I'm I in one sense. I'm glad to see the guy gone. I think the sentence was outrageous. On the other hand, I understand their point. I don't want I don't know that I want courts and judges to be concerned about the whims of of the public and uh, actually more to the point, more accurately, the uh, whims of the propagandists who may wish to make a case against these judges one way or another because they don't like what the judge did on a political level. Yeah. And and well, also to that end of the the fears that they have, those are legitimate fears, especially, as you say, could be demagogued and propaganded to death. But I would like to think that judges would also have enough discretion to say, hey, maybe we should look at what an actual crime like this should have for its punishment. Six months for a rape seems kind of light. Well, presumably that's what he did. Uh, presumably, he looked at all the circumstances. And he this thought guy that was, was good enough. Well, yeah, this was, he was a first-time offender, uh, and frankly, it might have been enough. But for the disparity for everyone else who does this sort of thing, who isn't a young white elite athlete, uh, you know. So I'm not necessarily in favor of uh, more sentencing necessarily no, in this case. Sentencing. I want appropriate sentencing too, but I want. Equal sentencing, not just uh, you get off easier because you happen to be white and privileged. Yeah, racial disparity in sentencing is a huge issue, so, and so it would be nice to resolve that. A lot of folks were happy about that uh, recall in any event of that judge. There's other consequences for recalls as well out here in California. Stephen Wolf of uh, Daily Coast Elections, he's polit- politics wolf on Twitter, Uh, He said California GOP successfully recalled Democratic State Senator Josh Newman on Tuesday over a new gas tax ending the Democrats supermajority in the state Senate. This was a flagrant abuse of California's broken recall process, Wolf says, which should only be used for ethics violations or crimes, not partisanship. So we have the other side of this uh, recall coin here as uh, California's uh, California voters unseated a sitting Democratic state senator in midterm on Tuesday, denying Democrats a supermajority and setting up a statewide battle this fall over a gas tax increase. According to AP, Republicans said the recall showed Democrats are vulnerable after they successfully targeted Senator Newman, uh, because he voted to raise gas taxes last year, a Republican-backed effort to repeal the tax increase is likely to be on the November ballot. Nearly two-thirds of voters recalled uh, Newman uh, in the Republican-leaning Orange County over his vote last year to increase the fuel and vehicle taxes to raise about $5 billion a year for road repairs. Which are desperately needed in the state and don't have any other funding. They replaced him with a former Republican assemblywoman, uh, and that, in fact, now keeps the Senate Democrats below the two-thirds supermajority needed to pass uh, tax increases. 
because of a law out here, a ridiculous law, I should add, in California that requires a supermajority in order to raise any taxes. Democrats finally had that supermajority, and uh, yes, Republicans were not happy about it, and uh, so when they're not happy, they use the recall, which a lot of people complain is not Democratic, but you know what? That's what the law is. It's on the books. It's actually in the California Constitution at this point, so if we want to change that, then that needs to be changed. This is what democracy looks like, and uh, sometimes it looks rather ugly. So uh, that's where we are. Uh, Even uh, independent Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders tried to come in at the last minute to try to help uh, Newman get over this this, uh, recall. That did not work. Uh, The Newman recall campaign is the first in California since a failed effort against a Republican State Senator back in 2008. State legislatures, they matter. There will. And uh, I think we got a little bit more on the Green News uh, report today yes, we concerning do. some of this uh, the gas taxes and some so forth. Some of the forth. hijinks in California. That'll be coming up in a bit. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back with a bit more election news before we get to the Green News report and related stories. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your Bradcast. <laughs> Hey, this is Brad. If you haven't noticed by now, it's no easy feat finding facts, real facts, not alternative facts, over your public airwaves. We try to bring you real facts, truth, and clarity without fear or favor each and every day on the Bradcast. But we need your help to do it. If you enjoy the show and or get something from it, please give back a bit, if you can, by visiting us at bradblog.com donate. Your support helps Desi and me continue to bring you real, independent, progressive news five days a week over your public airwaves. We simply can't do it without your help, and that help is needed more now than ever. Please stop by bradblog.com donate today to make a one-time donation or, even better, automated monthly support. It'll take you about 60 seconds, and you can rest easy knowing that we'll be here every day making sense of it all, or at least trying to. That's bradblog.com slash donate, and thanks. Yes, we are heading back to Alabama here, uh, which also held their elections on Tuesday. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Some uh, heard from folks asking about this. Yes, Alabama Secretary of State John Merrill easily won his Republican primary in the state on Tuesday. He will face Democrat uh, Heather Milam this November who also easily won her primary on Tuesday. Uh, since we have been following John Merrill in uh, over the past week and past months, actually, following his unconstitutional blocking of all kinds of folks on Twitter, including me and election law and constitutional attorneys and experts. Uh, and he had sent an unhinged series of emails last week to me strongly suggesting that he is not fit for any public office anywhere ever. Uh, I thought you'd want to know that he did win his uh, his primary. Uh, uh, he also had a crazy Twitter uh, thread with me last December 
in which he ended up blocking me because I was right about his voting systems and he was wrong. Um, <laughs> he didn't like that. No, he didn't care for that. So he he blocked me, even though I was nice and polite about it. But he does that to a lot of people. So I don't take it personally, except it's illegal. It's unlawful. As a, a judge, recent, a federal judge in New York recently determined in that lawsuit against Donald Trump and his blocking of uh, certain people that he opposes on Twitter. Uh, I suspect there will be more news on John Merrill in the days and weeks ahead related to all of this. Uh, so I just wanted to keep you up to date there. Also in Alabama, Joseph Siegelman, an attorney and the son of former Democratic Governor Don Siegelman. And, uh, well, both Joe and Don have been guests at various times over the years on this show. His son, Joe Siegelman, uh, won the Democratic nomination on Tuesday in Alabama for attorney general over Birmingham attorney Chris Christie. <laughs> Though how hard really could it be to uh, beat a guy named Chris Christie in a Democratic primary? And just to be clear, not the former New not Jersey the governor, actual Chris one, Christie, no. a different guy whose parents also decided to name him that. You think that's mean, don't you? It's a little bit. Yeah. Uh, so uh, Joe Siegelman will go on to face the winner of a, uh, a Republican runoff. The primary uh, for AG in Alabama resulted in uh, no one getting more than 50 percent. So there'll be a runoff in the coming weeks between former Attorney General Troy King and current Attorney General Steve Marshall. On the Republican side, King uh, was the uh, controversial incumbent back in 2010 when he, at the time, lost the GOP primary by whopping 20% to Luther Strange. Remember him? He was later appointed to the U.S. Senate by Governor Robert Bentley before Governor Bentley had to resign in disgrace in a sex scandal, and then Strange went on to lose his primary to Roy Moore, who had been tossed out as the head of the Alabama Supreme Court twice and was accused of being a child molester during his election last December against uh, Democrat Doug Jones, who ended up winning the Senate seat, taking over that Republican Senate seat. Uh, and that is what led to my conversation with the Alabama Secretary of State about <laughs> that election Man, when it comes to Alabama, there's a lot of corruption. King, former Attorney General Troy King, who is uh, trying to become Attorney General again, he was also part of the cabal that former Democratic Governor Don Siegelman, Joe's father, believes, with very good reason, uh, part of the group that, A, stole his election back in 2002 on the state's electronic voting ta computerized tabulators, and... Uh, part of this the scam to railroad Governor Don Siegelman into jail on what appeared to be trumped up bribery charges. Don Siegelman is now out of jail after out of federal prison after a few months ago. But uh, boy, what a mess in that corrupt state. Uh, so uh, Joe Siegelman. The son of Don Siegelman now on the ballot. All right, one more before we... You had a, I just want to say yeah. it's a fascinating story about what happened to Governor Don Siegelman. It's a horrifying story. You can go look it up at bradblog.com. Yeah, I can't even get it's, into the details because we've covered it for so long in yeah, for so many years. It'll break your heart. But he's out now, and Joe did well. There you go. Uh, all right, one more. Uh, as we often say here, elections have consequences, but this may... Make the point a little bit too well. 
I think, this story. Uh, it also may make the point of how great it is to live and work in a so-called right-to-work state which really means an anti-union state, a right to be fired at any time state, a right to be paid low wages and be fired for any reason whatsoever or for no reason at all. A South Dakota uh, sheriff, uh, where they also had elections on Tuesday, and by the way, their voting systems also failed on uh, Tuesday in eight separate counties, their electronic poll books. A South Dakota sheriff fired a deputy sheriff who had unseated him in his re-election effort just one minute after polls closed in Tuesday's primary. Bonhomme County, South Dakota, Deputy Sheriff Mark Maggs defeated Sheriff Lenny Gramco by a vote of 878 to 331 in Tuesday's Republican primary election. According to AP, he was then summarily fired by Graham Cow, the guy that the guy that he had just defeated. Mags posted the official termination notice that he received, signed by the sheriff on his Facebook page right after the election. Letter read, Mark Mags, this letter is to inform you that you that effectively immediately you are terminated from the position of deputy sheriff for Bonham County. As of this moment, you are no longer an employee of Bonham County. Please turn in all equipment belonging to Bonham County by 5 p.m. on June 6th. That's the day after the election, the notice said. Less than 24 hours. Graham Cow did not give a reason for the firing of the man who just defeated him in an election, in a public election. He declined to speak to local uh, news outlets about it. Uh, Mags uh, said that he wanted to speak with the county commission before he commented publicly other than posting that uh, note of his firing. The AP notes that South Dakota is a right-to-work state, so-called, meaning that employees can be fired without just cause and that the state sheriffs can hire and dismiss personnel for any reason he damned well feels like, apparently. Bonham County Commissioner Russell Gelsma uh, told the local newspaper that the issue will likely be brought up during a county board meeting, however. That said, there may be nothing to do about it other than get to the polls and uh, make your voice heard there, South Dakota, as they did on Tuesday, much to the chagrin of the deputy who got fired for winning an election. All right, quick break, and we are back with some green news and Desiree Doyen uh, and some follow-ups to today's Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't touch that dial. The Bradcast and the Green News Report are 100% independent, 100% listener supported. But we can't do it alone. We need you. Please help us bring real facts to listeners at independent stations around the nation. Please drop by bradblog.com donate. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. Welcome back to the broadcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Uh, Green News report in a very short moment and some follow-up 
uh, that we didn't have uh, that we didn't have time to fit into the GNR, and then some stuff that has happened after yeah, from this. It never stops. Well, from this uh, EPA administrator Scott Pruitt, it never stops. Yep. But uh, very quickly, first um, a, a response from our friend Dread at Bradblog.com in comments in response to our uh, our coverage, I guess last week at this point about the fact that. The uh, New England Journal of Medicine published a study finding that Puerto Rico, that the dead in Puerto Rico following Hurricane Maria was at a minimum 4,645. Dread notes from uh, Wikipedia that as of October of 2015, there have been 3,407 coalition deaths. That's all allies in Afghanistan. He says this means that one climate event in one location, that would be Puerto Rico, killed more Americans than a 17-year-long war has. One climate event. Yep. That's the sort of thing that we're talking about. That's the th- sort of thing that uh, we, we try to warn you about uh, several times a week, at least, over the past <laughs> 10 years. Well, on Yes, we do our best because it, it's important. Climate change is going to have massive effects on, on everybody and everything, every aspect of society. And it is rather depressing that the Puerto Rico death toll has already fallen off media coverage. More dead in Puerto Rico from one event than 17 years of war in Afghanistan. At least as far as Americans go. Just incredible. All right, let's get to it. Our latest Green News report. The biggest primary night of the year with the most critical contest in California. California voters choose climate action at the polls. Even if this had been Scott Pruitt sending this EPA staffer out to get his wife a Chick-fil-A sandwich... That itself would be illegal under federal law. Yet another ethics scandal for EPA Administrator Scott Pruitt. Federal judge orders EPA to cough up scientific evidence that humans are not driving climate change. Plus... So the bottom line is preventing global warming is good business. Trump's withdrawal from the Paris Accord could cost the U.S. economy trillions. Fantastic. All of those stories and more straight ahead. From Bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. Oh, science, you fickle mistress. No wonder so many people don't believe in you. Let's get this (laughs) thing started. (laughs) This is your Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyen, a lot of folks watching the primary elections in California over the past week as Democrats hope to regain the U.S. House. But there were also some very important ballot measures at stake in the California election as well. Exactly. On Tuesday, eight states held primaries for that crucial November 2018 midterm election. And there were strong showings for progressive and Democratic candidates who all pledged to act on climate change and protect the environment and grow clean energy jobs. But as you say, in California, climate action was also on the ballot. A statewide ballot initiative posed by Republican state lawmakers would have blocked the state from spending billions of dollars in revenue from California's successful cap-and-trade carbon emissions program until 2024, and it would have required approval from two-thirds of the legislature to get any projects going. So basically, money coming in to the state from this cap-and-trade 
program, and the Republicans had a scheme to try and tie up all of that money from being spent? To block it entirely. But voters resoundingly rejected that, and instead, they chose to pass separate initiatives expanding outdoor recreation, land conservation and water projects, and repairing transportation infrastructure. Little wonder Republicans are now on the endangered species list themselves out here in California. And meanwhile, yet another new scandal to add to the already long list for Environmental Protection Agency Administrator Scott Pruitt. Internal emails show that Pruitt enlisted top EPA staffers to do personal errands for him on the government's time, a violation of federal law, like helping him try to get a Chick-fil-A franchise set up for his wife, finding him an apartment in D.C., and This one's kind of weird, obtaining a used Trump Hotel luxury mattress for him. That aide resigned on Wednesday. I'm not sure what's weirder, that used mattress from the Trump Hotel or trying to get his wife a Chick-fil-A franchise. Pruitt's EPA also lost in court this week. The chief judge of the U.S. District Court for the District of Columbia ordered the EPA to cough up scientific research to support Pruitt's claims in media interviews that he believes humans are not the primary driver of global warming. Uh The judge called it, quote, particularly troubling that the EPA refused to fulfill a public records request and show a scientific basis for Pruitt's assertion. And instead, the EPA claimed the question of whether humans are responsible for climate change is, quote, unknowable. Needless to say, the global scientific community disagrees. And apparently, so does the court. Thank God we still have them. Meanwhile, the United States will withdraw from the Paris Climate Accord. This week marked one year since President Trump announced his intention to withdraw from the historic United Nations Paris Climate Agreement. But according to a new study from Stanford University, abandoning the Paris climate deal would cost the U.S. economy trillions of dollars in damages for things like extreme weather disasters and rising sea levels. The study found that meeting the Paris Agreement's emissions targets would save the global economy about $20 trillion in avoided economic losses, and in the U.S. alone, it would save the U.S. economy $6 trillion. In an interview with CBS, climate economist Noah Diefenbaugh explained that the cost of transitioning away from fossil fuels is vastly outweighed by the benefits. We find that not only most countries are likely to benefit, but the United States is likely to benefit when we when we compare the the cost of achieving the lower levels of global warming with the damage that will be avoided, it, it, it turns out to be a very uh, large return on investment. They calculate that every $1 we spend to decarbonize returns 10 to $30 in economic benefits. It's important to note that the study does not account for the loss of market share from failing to keep up with the rest of the world as it transitions away from fossil fuels. So everyone benefits, everyone that is, except Donald Trump, because Fox News told him that climate change was a hoax. And he's got to keep up the lie. For much more on all of these stories and the ones we couldn't get to today, please check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Find us, follow us, and share us worldwide on the Facebooks and the Twitters at Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. And this has been your Green News Report. What does the fuck say? I love that song. Brother.
Thank you very much, Desi Doyen. So as promised here, uh, Scott Pruitt, <clears throat> we talked about, uh, you talked about uh, some of his latest scandals, the Chick-fil-A, the used Donald Trump hotel mattress. Uh, but that was not all. As a matter of fact, you noted that the person that he had helping him to schedule these things, which is in violation of federal law, was let go as of uh, yesterday Actually, or she, so? Actually, she resigned. She resigned oh, really? after that came to light. And uh, and then also after she resigned, uh, an Atlantic, uh, the Atlantic reporter Elena Plott called the EPA press office for comment and confirmation as any good reporter would do. And the EPA spokesperson said refused to comment and said, quote, you have a great day. You're a piece of trash and then hung up on her. That's what the EPA spokesperson Spokesperson. said. Exactly. To a reporter, you're a piece of trash. Yes. Now, and also there's new reporting from Washington Post. So in addition to getting government employees to run personal errands for him, like finding him an apartment, getting him that used mattress, apparently now, according to two people who used to work for him, he also asked members of his 24-7 security detail to also run other errands for him, like picking up his dry cleaning. And this is another weird one taking him in search of moisturizer. He ordered his agents to drive him around to multiple locations in the District of Columbia in search of a particular lotion that's offered at Ritz-Carlton Hotels. Now, Trey Pollard... A particular lotion. A lotion. He likes this moisturizer. He has very expensive tastes, and so they drove around to find that moisturizer. Trey Pollard of the Sierra Club, he said, quote, Glad to hear Scott Pruitt just wasn't using his largest taxpayer-funded EPA security delegation in history to get him to French restaurants on time. They also went lotion shopping for him. That's versatility I am thrilled to pay for. But that's not all. You would think that would be all. No. Uh, EPA Administrator Scott Pruitt's frequent indulgences have forced the White House to issue a pointed direct to cabinet officials reminding them that the fancy White House mess hall is not for everyday use and begging them to please eat elsewhere. According to uh, a Politico report, the restaurant is apparently run by the U.S. Navy. It's located next to the Situation Room in the West Wing of the White House. It has uh, reportedly very good food at very low prices relative to restaurants in uh, close proximity to the White House campus. White House officials are permitted to use it, but Pruitt apparently has overstayed his welcome. (laughs) He's not a White House official. He works over at the EPA. Um, In any event, uh, Politico says he racked up $400 uh, a $400 bill in one month, partaking in delicacies like beer-braised brisket tacos and chocolate freedom, which is a molten lava cake crafted with imported French chocolate. He has also reportedly frequented the dining hall as a hot spot to bring prominent visitors from his home state of Oklahoma. He's a show-off. Yeah, he's, hey, let's go into the White House. So uh, the White House has said, uh, well, an unnamed source to Politico, we love having Mr. Pruitt, but the mess is not meant for everyday use. Even for the unprecedentedly corrupt, kleptocratic swamp that has become the Donald Trump administration, this guy, Scott Pruitt, is reaching new New highs, new lows. I don't know what you want to call it every day. Uh, Lotion, Lotion. mattresses, Chick-fil-A. Yeah, he's got expensive tastes. And and that, by the way, 
is not even the stuff that actually matters. I mean, that that is illegal. Oh, yeah. But the stuff that he's doing to the environment, the way he's gutting our environmental laws... And no one seems to give a damn. But apparently, listen, if this, you know, they, they got Al Capone on taxes, if it if they get Scott Pruitt on lotion and Chick-fil-A, that's fine by me. It has gotten so bad that even right wing Republican Louisiana Senator John Kennedy had some choice words to describe Scott Pruitt during an interview on CNN this morning. I support uh, many of the new policies at the EPA. They're not Mr. Pruitt's policies. They're President Trump's policies. I don't know Mr. Pruitt. I- I'm not commenting on his, uh, his professional judgment. I'm commenting on his personal judgment. Look, my, my entire career, I spent most of my career in state government in Louisiana. I have fought the waste of taxpayer money. I've fought the influence or the appearance of, of impropriety. And uh, I've, I've fought impropriety. And I think these things that Mr. Pruitt is alleged to have done, I mean, they continue. The hits just keep on coming. And, and I think he's hurting the president and therefore he's hurting the country. And I did. I, some of these things that Mr. Pruitt apparently has done, I know some of them are allegations, some of them are facts, uh, he is acting like a moron. Um, and, and he needs to stop it. Senator it's, not, it's not personal, but he just needs to stop acting, uh, misbehaving in this way. Like a moron. He needs to stop. That was Republican U.S. Senator John Kennedy calling the uh, EPA Administrator Scott Pruitt a moron. That's fine, Senator. Then why don't you demand he be fired for acting like, unless you want a moron as your EPA director, which perhaps he does. But you know what? Call him before Congress, demand that he resign, or demand that your president fire him. That's your goddamn job, Senator. All right, my thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen, uh, and to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. It is always appreciated if you missed any portion of today's show or any other. Download it anytime for free at bradblog.com or your favorite podcast site. Please leave a, uh, a nice comment or a review if you don't mind. Makes it a little easier for everyone else to find the Bradcast as well. You can also drop me email. I'm Bradcast at bradblog.com. And on the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am simply the Brad Blog. As always, my thanks to those of you who stop by bradblog.com slash donate to support the work that Desi and I try to do here every day over your public airwaves. You're the only one that keeps us on the public airwaves. So if you haven't done it yet, bradblog.com slash donate and thank you. All right, that's it. Until we meet again, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. (laughs) 